Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Great show this morning um, regarding aging in place, the aging population, elder care issues, stuff like that. Um, my guest this morning, Laura, you've been awesome. Thanks again for being here. Um, my guest is Laura Shea, who's the CEO of Rivermead Retirement Communities, uh, which is in Peterborough, New Hampshire. But Laura has 27, you don't look old enough to have 27 years of experience in retirement communities. So uh, she's bringing a lot to the conversation today, which is great. I knew you would. Um, so again, thank you. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, so before the break, we started um, down this path of talking about uh, p- planning for the cost of the cost of aging. Um, and, you know, these are conversations that I bring up with m- many, most of you know, where I see appropriate bring up these conversations with my clients that are um, of a certain age demographic and, and situation. And, you know, I kind of make the judgment regarding when, when I bring it up, or of course, sometimes they bring it up. Of course, that's rare. Um, and we were talking about how it's, it's just not a conversation. I mean, people will have the conversation with me briefly, um, but it, it's not always the, the potentially significant cost of care. I won't even call it health care. just, uh, uh, the, the cost of aging, um, which is potentially very significant and a high probability that, that the people that I'm talking to will have this cost. Um, it's, it's just not something that a lot of people want to plan for. And I was thinking about, you know, maybe uh, changing the way that I bring up the conversation. Um, and, and like I was saying, you know, now it's kind of, you know, have you, what, what's your plan for the potentially significant cost of long-term care. I mean, I guess that's normally how I would bring it up. And, you know, maybe it needs to be, um, you know, what's, what's your, what's your financial plan for aging or something like that? Like what's, what's the plan for, um, how, uh, I I don't know, maybe I need some help with that, Laura, but I'm happy to help with that because I think one way to start the conversation is since people are meeting with you and you're a financial planner, they're a planner. And people yeah. who plan most things in life have better experiences. So if we can say, you know, we want, we're all aging. I want to make your, your, you know, last few, you know, your, the last phase of your life, which yeah. is a nice way to put it, yeah. because every phase in life is beautiful and wonderful for different reasons. There's different experiences always to be had. And just because it's you know uh, an, an ending phase and it's a significant phase, we want to make it good. No one wants that that last phase to be the worst one of their life. Yeah. So if we plan for it, it's going to be better. And, and let's take some of the fear out of it. Planning for lots of things is scary. Buying a home, planning for college. How are you going to yeah. pay yeah. for your kids' college? But if you plan, it's a lot less scary when you get there. So let's think of it like that, that it's not this, you know, you're going to bring it on somehow just by talking about it. So let's plan, let's 
plan for a better experience. Um, and keeping it really positive, I think so often it's very easy to make it a negative experience. Um, but I mean, some of the things that you get to do in, in your last few years of life, especially if you move to um, a, a retirement community, they're amazing. So just this last week at Rivermead, uh, let's see, they started the week by going to Tanglewood. Uh, <laughs> then they went to a baseball game together. They went cool. to the Tall Ships and they're ending it next week with a lobster fest. Oh my God, so I like, love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah this it. is not a punishment to have yeah. to move to a retirement community. You know, anyone from, you know, 62 to 102 can live in one of these communities and and, and do all of these things. And, and, you know, you might feel like, oh, I can't do these things. I'm gonna be too old to do them. No, no, that's why we're there. Right. We make all of this possible for you. So these can still be an exciting phase of life. So, you know, we, we really don't want to see moving to a retirement community as a, a negative or a punishment. It's really a, a very positive thing. And you, you're surrounded by people who are smiling and happy and there to help. And it makes everything easier. If life starts to feel harder, that's our job to help make it feel easier. And so, um, yeah, give yourself, if you, if you plan, you're gonna give yourself more options. And I think you're gonna have um, a much better experience. So don't be scared of it. Um, and I know people can say, oh, that's easy for you to say. And, yeah. and it probably is. I right. mean, I, this is, I've like literally grown up my, yeah. um, I've lived in a retirement community my, almost my entire life. It started with my grandmother when I was, you know, probably seven or eight years old. I have been literally around seniors forever. Um, and once you get over maybe whatever makes you feel uncomfortable about it if it if there is something that makes you feel uncomfortable about it i promise it'll be much better just after you spend some time in realizing it's not that scary aging yeah. is not necessarily the worst thing that can happen to you yeah. so yeah maybe just I, to, yeah as a society we just need to embrace it more maybe i need to bring up the conversation more like i like the the term that the you just used was you know how do you want to plan for the best experience as you age and that will yeah. you know that's a good way to open up the conversation and yeah um, and, you know, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts regarding long-term care insurance because, well, I need to get, I want to get your thoughts on that. But, you know, from my perspective, I think there are, first of all, when I do retirement planning for people, um, a lot, oftentimes people are relying on the majority of their assets to pull off retirement. At least that's the way that I create a plan. It's There's not um, a huge percentage of the population that has like way more money than they'll ever need, right? So a lot of people that I'm helping are planning for a comfortable retirement, but it's maybe they're not projected to have like an incredible surplus or an incredible excess, right? And, and so a lot of people are relying on those assets for spending needs in retirement. And of course, when I do a model, I'm building in, you know, healthcare and, you know, we try to build in everything we can think of um, and, and not often building in extra costs associated with aging, but maybe that's something that I, maybe I should just build that in as part of a norm, more, uh, more normal part of my process, right? And, and just sort of build that in as um, uh, uh, 
or ask. Uh, the, the, the thing that's hard about it from my perspective is that I don't know whether or not someone's going to have these costs, right? Some people yeah. pass away from a medical event. Some people never need extra cost of care, right? So it's hard for me. I also don't want to build in an expense that they may never have, which is can be quite significant. And then be like, oh, sorry, you can't retire this year. You know, you got to keep working a couple more years, right? And, th and that's not a great way to plan either. So that's where the difficulty lies for me as a planner. Um, number one. And, and then I guess, yeah, number two is that a lot of people are banking on, because a lot of people are banking on the bulk of their assets for retirement, it doesn't necessarily leave much if they do have this extra cost of, of aging in place or long-term care, whatever we call it, which is why I think I think the insurance is very appropriate for a lot of people. Yes, it's expensive. We could spend two hours talking about just the insurance, but I really think it has its place in the world and I wish more people would embrace it. I think the industry, the long-term care insurance industry is changing a little bit and offering some products that are more attractive to people. Um, so it's changing a little, but it's still underutilized in my opinion. Having said that, Lara, when uh, oftentimes when I plan and, and create someone's retirement plan, it's rare that someone wants to use the equity in their home or plan to use the equity in their home for retirement. Everyone kind of wants to ignore that. Nobody ever wants to think about relying on equity in their home. So sort of in the back of my mind is, okay, if we're using your 401k, et cetera, your traditional financial assets for retirement, generally speaking, we can fall back on equity in a home if someone hasn't planned otherwise for a potentially significant cost of aging, right? So that's sort of in the back of my mind. Having said that, I'll come back to our earlier conversation where a lot of people choose some to do some legal planning where they're, where they're removing their accessibility to the equity in their home by putting them into irrevocable trusts and things like that because they wanna preserve it for the next generation. And I get all that, that's pretty common. But the people that proceed in that regard, then what do they have to help with, with this potentially significant expense, come back to that other part of our conversation where I think a lot of people are just sort of banking on, well, the state will step in and help me. And then that, that really scares me. Um, so I'll have you jump in there and, and get your take on it uh, fr from your perspective in terms of yeah. the insurance, I guess, the insurance. Yeah, and I think, you know, listening to you, it, you know, what I think one of the biggest takeaways from today is going to be that this is very nuanced information. There's a lot of ins and outs depending on where you are and what you're doing and what financial resources you have is all going to lead down different paths. So just, you know, I'll just keep encouraging people to have conversations with somebody like you because this is complicated and mm -hmm. you do want to spend some time on it um, because it, it's, every circumstance is going to be a little different. Um, you know, it, it is really hard when I, he when I hear people's plan is to depend on the government. And it's only because it, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to need care from the government. And we, we don't yeah. really know what those resources are, are going to be. You know, what they are today is not necessarily what they're going to be tomorrow or 10 or 20 years from now. So, yeah, that is a route, absolutely, but it's it's a gamble all on its own. So yeah. You might be protecting it, assets, but you might be putting yourself in one of the worst like living situations, you right. know, not giving yourself a lot of choice, but that's a choice. You know, people can definitely talk through that. Um, going back to the equity in the home, um, it, well, let me step back and say there's two very different ways that you pay for these communities. Um, so there are buy-in models. When you talk mm -hmm. about a CCRC 
or a life plan community, you often do use the equity of your home to buy in. Yeah, I'm just going to use round numbers, but these are not going to be exact numbers. But say I want to buy into a CCRC. I'm going to put down three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then I'm going to pay four thousand a month to live there. Now that might sound like a lot of money, and again, I those are actually low low amounts. That yeah, that would be like a small apartment. Yeah. But what you're buying is is a life plan community where generally you're going to have a guaranteed home for life. So do investigate that because every community is going to be a little bit different as to they write their contract and what they guarantee and and if they have an endowment, um, whether they're for profit or nonprofit can change some of those scenarios. But generally, you you know that I had they said I have enough money to be here for life. They will help guarantee that I'm here for life. The other model is a rental community. And so you don't put down that big deposit that say 400,000, you just pay monthly. And that might be four or 5,000 a month and you stay there. Um, And in that scenario, there's less likely of a chance that they're gonna be offering a guarantee home for life. If you exceed your, your, yeah, they might, some do, but most most don't. So if you, you run out of money, um, then you're probably applying for Medicaid, Mass Health, and then you're moving to a nursing home. So there, there are these different options. And how, how do you decide? Sometimes you're deciding based on your age. You know, I'm pretty young and healthy, and I want kind of more of a guarantee. Then you might want this buy-in option. But you're like, well, I'm, I'm old. I probably am only going to live for another, you know, couple years then maybe the rental model makes more sense. Okay. And so it, these are, you know, kind of weird conversations because you're talking about your expected <laughs> When you might die, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but these are real scenarios yeah. and it's even more important when it's, it's not you that you're talking about, it's your loved one. So for example, I was helping um, my mom and my grandmother with this just a couple years ago and my grandmother ha- didn't have any money. And so my family was supporting her through her journey. So the way that this worked for my family was she lived with my mom and my dad for several years and they were basically the independent living phase mm. of her life. And then when it came time for she needed care and it was more they could do, we went straight to assisted living. We went to um, a rental model and we figured she'll probably live there for two to three years. So then as a family, it was, okay, we're gonna have to supplement this because her income is not gonna cover this. As a family, are we agreeing to do that? And it worked, you know, it, it's it's expensive, but between her income, she had a small pension, she had her social security, and then the difference that my family made up um, kept her there. Um, and so th- that's an option too. So if you can, you know, help stretch that money by, you know, it's some family supplementing um, some of, um, uh, the care up to independent living, and then you have to move to assisted living. So like I said, there's so many different scenarios that mm. will will get you to where you need to be. But um, it's so often that equity in the home that's, that's going to pay for a lot of this at some point. Yeah. So if it's the entrance deposit to get you into a life plan community, or if you use that equity of the home to pay the monthly fee in a rental situation, um, that's very often what's gonna get you into a home when you need it. And we'll just add one more layer of complication is when there's a healthy spouse and a spouse that has need. And then it starts to get more complicated because the healthy spouse is in the home. So you can't necessarily sell it. And then you have someone who has need and that gets harder. And and going back to your um, conversation or your your mention of um, uh, long-term care insurance, that is is an option. It is... um, 
if affordable, and I can't speak too much on affordability because again, that depends on so many different things, the criteria for getting people onto long-term care insurance. Um, but if you have it and um, you get the opportunity to use it, it's a tremendous yeah. benefit. It's like I a mean, yes. Yeah. yeah, it it, it covers, <laughs> usually covers, you know, the majority of the cost. It was very common to be a retirement benefit uh, for for older generations. It's becoming less and less so that companies have given it out as a benefit. So now it's more of something you pay for privately. And um, so again, something to talk to your financial planner about if if you want to do this. And all, with all insurance, it's always gambling. You know, you're paying for something that you may or may not ever use. So insurance is always a little bit of a gamble. Um, but when it works out, it it. A wonderful thing. It's a pretty. I'm assuming it's a pretty small percentage of the people that you know that that have the insurance, right? It's a. It's yeah. It's a. It's a small it's, percentage. It's interesting because you're it's seeing smaller. Yeah, yours. And there's some diet. There's some shifts in that industry that are uh, causing that. I think um, it's interesting because you're seeing people that the people that have the insurance, you're seeing them when they're utilizing the insurance, right? Yes. And I'm having conversations with people like 20 years before they may or may not utilize the insurance. So it's a totally yeah. different conversation. Of course, you and I know that people that that will have these uh, significant expenses in their life, cost of aging, um, or home, cost of aging in place, we should say, largely, um, that having the insurance is tremendously helpful, right? This can provide, you know, four or five, six, seven, eight thousand a month, right? It depends on what you buy. Of course, they've been paying into it for usually a very long time. Yes. Um, so it's just, we're having, we're seeing it on different ends of the spectrum, right? Or we're having those conversations on, on different ends of the spectrum. The, the long-term care insurance industry has changed a lot. It hasn't been around that long, 40 or 50 years, which isn't a long time for an insurance uh, product to be around because you have to remember that people could be holding those policies for 30 or 40 years. So we're only like just now seeing like the full evolution of people having the policies for for their lifetime or, you know, second half of their lifetime anyway. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty young insurance industry and couple that with the fact that cost of care has risen substantially, has outpaced inflation for a long time, um, and more and more people needing care and, and, and people taking advantage of uh, their insurance benefits. Anyway, it's the pricing on those policies has outpaced inflation as well. They've gotten more expensive the last couple of decades related to the fact that it's a newer industry and, and some other reasons. And not a lot of companies, insurance companies have found them to be profitable. So not a lot of insurance companies have found that line of business to be profitable for them. And don't forget, insurance companies are for-profit companies. So a lot of them have gotten out of that business, you know, sold off their policies to other insurers, like, you know, written it off because um, it's not profitable for them. And so there's not a lot of choices, which translates to, to not a lot of pricing competition and things like that. So it's, it's, it's evolved. I think one good um, evolution of that, of uh, the long-term care insurance industry is that we now have hybrid products, which is a life insurance product that pays, can pay out a long-term care benefit if someone needs it. And I think those are a little bit more attractive. They're gaining in popularity. They're not like popular still, but they're, 
they're gaining some traction and, and people like those for a variety of reasons. And we don't need to get into the weeds on that because there's some other stuff we want to talk about today. But um, but I, I just, I think that people should get educated on that, especially people with means and with comfortable incomes in retirement and people with assets that they can use to pay for the insurance. I, I think that people should at least get educated on that if they have the financial means to do so, because I, I think that a lot of people will be very thankful that they did that or that they that they proceeded with that. And if they choose not to buy the insurance, that's fine. At least they made an educated decision, right? And and, and I yes. don't want people to go into it without being ed- educated. Yes. Um, anyway, you were ta- I do want to get into the cost structure of, of these communities. and um, But sort of before I get there, I, I still need a little help with the terminology. Yes. So a, a continuing care retirement community, I thought was like one thing and then assisted living was another thing and then nursing homes are another thing. But are they sort of like assisted living and nursing homes are part of CCRCs? I, I still need some help with the terminology and then I wanna get into cost after our next break. Yeah, that's such a great question because there there's so many terminologies in, in, in senior, well, in any kind of healthcare. So yes, let me help with that. So a life plan community or a CCRC, those are the same thing. They come with a contract to be there, um, has all three levels of care contained within it. Okay. So independent living, assisted living, and nursing care. But when I say nursing care, I don't necessarily mean a nursing home anymore. Because okay. a lot of them are actually, this you know, again, we get into that nuanced information. A lot of them are actually saying we don't want to be a tech, technically a skilled nursing facility accepting Medicare and Medicaid anymore. Oh, yeah. Because it's not profitable. It's not profitable for them. It's not profitable. No. It's complicated. There's yeah. lots of regulations. So it's independent living, assisted living, and nursing care, but not necessarily technically a nursing home. Okay. It's just that there's there's nurses there. Okay. And they're taking care of you within the assisted living setting. And, um, and and not to confuse it anymore, but there's one more layer. Within assisted living, there's also memory care. Right. And memory care is an assisted living product. And it's for those with memory loss, most often um, Alzheimer's. And so um, that CCRC is kind of your one-stop shop. Whatever you're going to need, okay. if you move in, they're going to be able to meet that. Separately... You can have together or separate independent living and assisted living. So independent living, again, you're 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 pretty self-sufficient, but you want some security. That's independent living. You got some services like okay. one meal a day, housekeeping, and that can be standalone, 100% standalone. Or there's assisted living, um, and that can be standalone, uh, where you get you know support 24 hours a day. And then you have nursing homes where it's you know full traditional, just like you're picturing nursing home care. But what we're seeing more and more often, probably the biggest biggest growth in the industry popping up is combined together assisted mm. living and independent living combined together, not as a CCRC model, but as more of a uh, rental model. Oh, okay, okay. Let's take a break and um, touch on that. And then I do want to get into the financials. This is a financial talk radio show, but. Um, But I think that'll be good to get into. So again, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm talking this morning with Laura Shea of River Mead Retirement Community in Peterborough, New Hampshire. Laura has a ton of experience um, with the aging population and and care of seniors, et cetera. So great conversation today about all the options there. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Um, you can check out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com. Also, check out our podcast if you ever miss a show. McNamara, uh, search McNamara on Money on your podcast app. We're on Apple. We're on iTunes and Spotify. Um, and my guest this morning has been Lara Shea, who's the CEO of uh, River Mead Retirement Communities in Peterborough, New Hampshire. But correct me if I'm wrong, you used to be at Proprietor Screen in Marshfield, right? Had I some did, experience. I did. I actually spent the, all my early uh, years was in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, in and, th- and that's living field. And that's when we met, which I want to say was probably almost 20 years ago, Lara, at <laughs> least 15 years ago. Um, and I remember, I think you were working at Proprietors at the time. Yes, um, but yes. you've and always been a planner, so it's been wonderful yeah. working with you all these years. Well, you as well. Um, and thanks again for being here this morning. I, I knew Lara obviously runs a, a retirement community and has a lot of experience in the field, so I thought she could bring a lot to the conversation today. And you are not disappointing, Lara, so thank you. Um, this is just such great information for people and families, and, and like you and I have talked about a few times, just something that people don't want to talk about until it's, the, yeah. until it's the crisis, Yeah, which is so common. People don't really want to plan for this. It's very few people that want to plan for this. I think you might be one of my only um, clients who's wanted to build in the cost of a CCRC in, into your retirement plan, which is awesome. More people should do it. And I'll, I'll definitely um, start being more proactive about that because you and I know it's going to be very common. Yeah. And um, I would just love to say, don't wait for a crisis. Yeah. Um, you have such limited opportunities when you do. You have so few choices and you're not in the right headspace to mm. make really important decisions. So Talk to your your spouse if it's about you. Talk to your your if you're the adult child right now. Talk to your parents about what they're gonna want someday, so that when that day comes, you just have a better picture of of everyone's wishes. So, yeah. I, I know it's unpleasant, but just sit down and yeah. try to do it. Yeah. Um, all right. So in my so we before the break we were kind of breaking down the different places where people can age and receive care if needed. When I think of a CCRC or this continuing care retirement community, first of all, I found some great information on the Mass.gov website. I know you're in New Hampshire, but Mass.gov had a lot of info on their website, um, including you know lists of a bunch of CCRCs and information about it, which I thought was great. Apparently, there's like well, we didn't get into public versus private, but I'm, I'm assuming the ones on Mass.gov were pu- public or partially state funded. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, there was like 30 of them um, on the Mass.gov website, which which was great information. When I think of a CCRC, oh, the reason I started getting into that is because there were all these different terms for them. It said, a, you know, a continuing care retirement community is also called, you were calling it a life care community, right? Uh, yep, life plan communities. You can kind of use life. those terms intermingled at this point. Okay, life care community, life plan community, lifetime community, <laughs> continuing mm-hmm. care community, and active adult retirement home. Those were sort of, they were saying those are sort of all interchangeable terms. Yes. It's all marketing. <laughs> yes. Um, well, when I think of them, I think of, the 
the places that are like a campus, right? That's what I like. Yes. I'm thinking, I'm picturing Linden Ponds, right? Yes. Which is which is one of the bigger ones around here. Um, multiple buildings, your, you know, pools and restaurants and hair salons and, you know, the, the independent living apartments over there and the assisted living over here. Is Are they all like this campus style living? Which I can't, I can't wait to be a part of it. I was saying when, when my sister-in-law, Suzanne was on, I was like, I can't wait for this. How old do you have to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they kind of, yeah, there's different sizes, you know, so if you look at Linden Ponds, for those of you who have been there, that's the probably the largest scale that you'll see. Yeah. Um, and then they have a sister community up on the North Shore. Um, oh. So in, in Peabody, and um, those are really large campus style picture more like a college setting yeah. where there's different buildings they connect by bridges there's clubhouses and the assisted living um is towards the back with some nursing care and i actually started i worked there i got recruited there oh. out of college so i worked there for several years so i know it really well it's an erickson property yeah and it's almost like a, a college there's there's different dining options there's pools there's theaters there's pool tables there's activities going on everything but classes and so but there there are classes though, but there's like adult yeah. education, right? Yes, there actually <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So what you want, you know, if, if you're a really active senior, where that's where you get some of those other terms like active senior. Yeah. It's because you can be as active or passive as you want to be within this setting. And that's why a lot of people consider it a lifestyle. So if you have heard of the villages down in Florida, that's on an even bigger scale. Oh. I mean, it's an entire it's not I even a town anymore. Heard of that. It's a city. Okay. It's an entire city. So picture wow. London Ponds just in city. Okay. It's, it's like, and, you know, so this is, you know, something people are saying, this, this is the last phase of my life. Yeah. I'm going to love it. I'm going to enjoy yeah. it. I'm going to do things. I'm going to be around people with similar interests. There's Margaritavilles. Three Margaritavilles. <laughs> this, this is, you, like, this is my future. Party yep. lifestyle. <laughs> well, yeah. that's awesome. I love or it. if you're like really into golf, you can go out to Arizona. There's a mm. new Zen community opening in California. The whole community is is a profile of, of Zen living. Oh. And um, so we're customizing them. The industry is customizing them more and more for lifestyle. So, you know, it's it. got love the baby boomers who is just like, we are not settling for our grandparents anything. Yeah. You know, I don't want my grandmother's nursing home. I don't want my grandmother's golden years. I wanna really live and be invigorated in this last phase of my life. And so for people who are, are looking for that, um, you really can customize it based on your interests and who you wanna be surrounded by. So you can go as big as the villages in Florida. You can go to something which is still feels very big like Linden Ponds, it feels like a college campus, but you can go smaller. Please don't let me scare you by all that because okay. there's, there's small, there's as small as just a, a single building with a hundred apartments, one dining option, one pool table, small. But you can even, if you even remember the show, The Golden Girls, which mm -hmm. was on TV in the eighties, you could go as small as to just live in like a Golden Girls type of house where it's communal, where you're oh. like, okay, if I stay in my private home, I have to pay for all of this. But I can move into a small communal setting where there will be someone who's, making those decisions, making those phone calls. But I just, I get my little private space, but it's, it's a lot less expensive because I'm sharing it amongst 
five people or 10 people. And so we're really seeing all of that from these oh, like cool. a golden golden girls type of setting to the villages in Florida and really everything in between. So it, it's fun. It's something really fun about the baby boomers is that they've never accepted life just as it was. They, they want all these options and, um, you know, we're bringing it to them as an industry. We're bringing it to them. We're hearing them. And um, so it, that's when you, you can tell I get excited about yeah. this because these are, you know, the really exciting places where the industry is going. So never think of this last phase of life as being a punishment. I really think that it's a beautiful and fun time and we can embrace it a lot more than as a society we ever have before. And if the baby boomer baby boomers are, you know, uh, paving the way for this industry, right, and making some big changes, think how the millennials will change it in like <laughs> 50 years, right? They're they're very non-traditional, doing everything different, right? It's going to be totally different uh, down down the road, decades uh, down the road. But um, yeah, so let's talk about cost a little bit. So I know you mentioned earlier in the show that these uh, communities are either priced with the buy-in structure, which is large upfront cost plus monthly fee or the rental structure, you said, right? Where it's just yeah. straight up rent. Um, for example, I just went onto the Linden Ponds website and a huge price range there. Yes. Um, from, you know, lo lowest cost buy-in was a studio, uh, lowest, you know, for 161,000, there's a range there, but like basically the prices go from a studio at 161,000 dollars on the low end to um, a luxury two bedroom two bath for eight hundred and ninety thousand and like everything in between so wide variety of options there um, and you know it, right right in the middle is probably three to four hundred thousand right several options in that range uh, in terms of sizing and number of bedrooms and bathrooms but in in you know, on one hand, that does sound like a lot, but on the other hand, what else are you going to buy on the South Shore of Massachusetts, for example, for $400,000? There's almost nothing. You can't get a condo anywhere, really, or a standalone home. You can't, there's not very many choices anymore in that price range. And so I, I, that actually doesn't sound like a lot to me. Granted, yes, these are smaller units than, you know, a standalone home with, you know, multiple rooms. But um, I, I don't think the pricing is exorbitant. Um, and, you know, then there's the monthly fee in addition to that. And they do give ranges. And, I, and you know, you could comment on that more than me. I know there's like things you can add on and subtract and things like that. And there's a whole amenities list, right? But, you know, if, if your monthly fee is including all your utilities, except like internet and I guess phone, it's including your heat and air conditioning. It, you know, you don't have to pay for landscaping or plowing or all these things, right? It's, yes. you know, the, the and, I, and I guess I should say the monthly uh, fees were between $2,200 and $4,200. So that's the, the range of monthly fees on the Linden Pond websites. Just for example, I have no affiliation with Linden Ponds. I'm just using this as an example and I know it's large and I know it's a popular place. Um, but that doesn't seem, you know, very unreasonable to me if you think about all the, um, the, the money that people spend monthly taking care of, of a standalone home, right? I, I, I think the pricing is, um, you know, seems reasonable to me for, for, for the value and for what people get from that. Now, I know that this pricing doesn't include cost of care, right, and the assisted living. I'm assuming that's just the standard um, pricing for, you know, utilities and I guess property taxes because technically you're an owner in these buy-in communities, right? Yes, it does cover the property taxes. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, but let's like just I'll, I'll let you jump in, in in a minute here. But just to go one step further, I know you were saying that all these communities have you know different fine prints and different pricing structures. But it seems to be pretty common that for these buy-in communities, there's this large upfront there's this upfront cost, right? Several hundreds of thousands of dollars, let's say. But then there's the um, promise or the or the part of the contract that a certain percentage of that would be refunded to your heirs at your death or I guess when you move out though I'm, I'm assuming most people don't move out that that this is that this is end of their life and it seems to be pretty common that it's 90 percent and I'm sure there's some fine print in there about if you don't pay x y and z they're deducting it from your upfront cost which I think is pretty brilliant in in that regard and how they can guarantee that you have a home forever and I and I think it makes a lot of sense um so so you know, it, it, it's there's stability of the capital. They're providing some stability and some return of capital, which I think should be comforting to people, unless certain things unfold, right? And, unless you don't pay your bills or whatever, um, or, or you know, you receive care and never paid for it or whatever. Um, you don't get, you know, a, it's it's a little different from a standalone home in that you're not potentially getting real estate appreciation and, and you're getting a little less than what you put in for capital. Um, so essentially you're using, you're potentially using some of the equity in your home over time to provide you with this this experience in, the, in this community. I would look at it that way because most people would have some real estate appreciation over time, you know, two, three, four, five percent, whatever it is. Having said that, most people are improving their homes over time and putting in a roof and windows and in, in a new, you know, boiler and things like that. And, and I'm assuming that's not, you don't have to do that in these types of communities. So, um, so I, 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 I like the structure. I think it's financially sound, I, you know, from, from the resident's perspective as well. I'm not just thinking from the community's perspective, but um, yeah, what's your take on it? Yeah, you know what they offer. You know, in the in the pricing and some of what you touched on. You know, it's a it's a range. So from a studio to a very large two bedroom. When I think about that, I think someday when I move into one, I'm going to pick the smallest that I'm comfortable with, because you equally get access to all the amenities oh, okay. on campus, uh, okay. whether you get the smallest apartment or the biggest apartment. Yeah. So, okay. Get the smallest and yeah. just enjoy everything that's yeah. on the campus. Right. And you love your husband, so you'll be happy to be in close yeah. quarters with him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people uh, a lot of people get the largest apartment because they have a lot of stuff. Mm. Don't spend your money housing your stuff. Spend your money housing yourself. Yeah. You probably yeah. don't need the stuff. So that's right. a, a push to throw away the garbage. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and then the next thing is you, you do, you get all, all those amenities on campus. So really do take advantage of them, enjoy them. Um, the reason they can do this is because they're doing it on a large scale. It's not mm. one person in a private home. It's, you know, at Linden Ponds, you're talking like 1500 people. So you get that, that value of scale. And so that they can offer all these things. And you get the stability because you know what your monthly expenses are going to be. They do go up year over year, though. So okay, just yeah. know that, that mm -hmm. there is a, a rent increase every year. So and when if you're considering one of these communities, just ask them what their average has been, say, the last five years. So you can plan it in. But you get that stability of knowing, OK, this is what my costs are going to be for the next 12 months. And you can anticipate what they go up year over year. For the entrance fee, it is on a sliding scale based on how much of a refund you want. And that depends oh. on the community. Some do refunds, some don't. 
Um, okay. So every community is going to be a little different, but some you can get a 90% return um, and you pay this monthly fee. Another one, you might get oh. an 80% return, but you pay a little less in your monthly fee. Oh, interesting. You could get no return at all and 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 then pay less a month, but oh. they get to all your money. Well, yeah, here's the cool. gamble. Yeah. If I live there for 20 years, yeah. I get no refund. I'm like, I did great. It's a break-even analysis there. Yeah. If I'm there one year and I get no refund, I'm like, ah, didn't didn't they? So it's a bit of a gamble. It's it's an insurance kind of, well, it's not insurance, but you know, kind of think of it that way. It's kind of this, you That's like social security. security. That's like social security. What am I going to collect? What's the break-even analysis? How long am I going to yeah. live? Oh, I would love to spreadsheet that for someone. I hope one yeah. of my clients comes in with that with those choices and I get to spreadsheet it for them. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And you're, yeah. you're gambling on this really weird, like, what's your expected life expectancy? Yeah. Oh, what a weird yeah. thing. Oh, and totally you weird. and I have talked about oh, that. Oh, we talk about know? it. Yeah, I talk about it every yeah. day with my clients. Yeah. How long are you yeah. going to live? I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. so... Um, but you know it and then the other thing you want to ask when you're looking at this any community is am i guaranteed a home for life right or if i exhaust my funds are you going to ask me to leave right okay you want to ask that and you want to make sure you understand the answer and you want to make sure if it's the answer you want that it's in writing that you understand okay um because every community is different some guarantee a home for life some don't and um okay so that's really important. Okay, I'm gonna stop you for one second just because we don't have a ton of time and we do have a caller. So we're gonna go Ready? to Sandy from Hingham. Good morning, Sandy. Hi, so I just wanted to mention that in the, some of the CCRCs also, they're only independent living and then they have a SNF, a skilled nursing facility on the campus, but you do have to pay for private care if you need private care. So I understand the whole thought process around having a studio, but some of these folks need live-in care so having a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom makes more sense in that sense. I just wanted to mention that real quick. Oh, I see, because someone has to live. Eventually, someone might have to On live in the campus. same unit as you to provide yes. the care. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you not? I mean, but in many of these communities, are you able to move if you wanted to? Like if you started in a studio, I'm assuming you could upgrade should one become available to a larger unit. Yes, if they become available, absolutely. Okay, okay, but good point. Yeah, good point. Or do you work in one of the facilities, or are you you're in no, the industry? I just, I'm in the industry, so I just yeah. wanted to mention that. Oh, yeah. that that's a good point. Anything else to add? No, that's it. I just wanted to mention that that's one of the things about some of the campuses don't have assisted living; they only have independent and then oh, long term care or okay. rehab. So you want to remember that when you go on. That's one of those a la carte costs that you might end up paying. Yep, got it. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Andy. Have a good day. Okay, okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. So I guess she's saying that like at some levels of assisted living is someone else living, could potentially be living in your unit? Maybe not overnight. It's not very common. Yeah. Um, You know, you might find that you're in independent living and you want to do aging in place like we talked about earlier in the show in your independent living apartment versus moving to assisted living okay in that case yeah maybe you know a per paid caregiver might be living with you or a family member might be supplementing your care yeah. i mean technically neither should be living with you because that's not who the community you purchase this from is paying you know renting it to or allowing to live there okay um so that's probably not something you'd see generally pretty often but okay i mean she's not wrong but it's not very common yeah but I'm, and i'm assuming many like i said many of the communities you could move if you wanted to granted i know it's a lot of work to move all your things and stuff like that but 
Um, we um, do see it when a, a couple moves in and then we're down to one spouse if the one passes away or one moves to assisted living. Sometimes they will um, move down to a smaller sized apartment to save some money on the rent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it, so anything else on the pricing model? I mean, you were saying just, you know, to, of course, understand um, make sure you understand whether there's a refund or what's the scale of the refund and the monthly payment options and make sure you understand whether or not you have a guaranteed uh, place, you know, guaranteed home for life. Home for life. And I guess that's, yeah. Yeah. And then the other side of it is um, where the more opportunities that are coming into the market for a more um, for middle market um, would be for a, a rental model home. Okay. And so if you don't have the assets, maybe for a, a buy in or you need to use the equity of your home, not for the buy in, but you could use it for your monthly fee to pay rent. We are seeing a lot more rental models. So if we compared Linden Ponds to right down the road from you, which is Proprietors Green, yeah. Linden Ponds is a buy-in model, Proprietors Green is a rental model. Okay. And so that's an opportunity for, you know, someone who, um, you know, um, maybe is a, a little older and they aren't banking on that, you know, when we're looking at, am I gonna live there? You know, Linden Ponds, if you're gonna live for 20 or more years, yeah, Linden Ponds is probably great. If you're more in that, like, or less, maybe a rental makes more sense than putting down that yeah. big deposit. And so we're finding a lot more rental models moving into the market. Oh. So explore that too, because they're wonderful. I've worked in both. They, they, uh, the product, the care is really the same, very comparable about what you're going to get for care. It's just that the financial model is different and you may be more comfortable with one than the other. Neither's right. Neither's wrong. It's it's so nice to be seeing more options come out there. Yeah. Because if this were 1970, your one option would be a nursing home. Yeah, yeah. End of story. Yeah. So look how far we've come. And we just keep going from 1970s and nursing homes to today, the villages in Florida and everything in between. It is an exciting time because there's just a lot of choice. In the buy-in model, Lara, um, so you're technically an owner of the unit. So like my question is, if something breaks, do I have to fix it? Or is, or is it like, am I more like a renter and there's a landlord that's going to come fix something in my unit? Such a great question. I know we say buy-in, but actually you don't own it. Okay. Um, okay. So, so it's yes, just a different it, financial it model. But yeah, it's a financial model. But yes. So actually they take care of everything. Anything okay. they supplied, they manage. Your broken refrigerator to the dripping uh, sink, they take care of it all. Okay. So the buy-in model isn't like I'm buying a condo right. and paying a condo fee. It's It's still really a rental model. It's just a different cost structure and that there's a large upfront and then a lower monthly where I'm assuming the rental model is there's no upfront or a small upfront and a higher monthly cost. Yeah. And okay. at the end, you don't resell it. That's not um, okay. how, how you get your money back. Um, so the marketing team at, that the community takes care of the reselling of it, you also cannot sublet it. So it is different. It's Got it. um, a unique product for sure. So we, and it's hard that we say buy-in. <laughs> Yeah. And then you don't actually own anything. Right. So it's not a great terminology. No, I was getting all confused. Okay, um, we just only have a few more minutes, four or five minutes. But one of the things you brought up when we were planning for the show was uh, was public versus private, or I'm sorry, profit versus nonprofit. Is that something that you want to touch on for a few minutes? 
Yeah, okay. yeah. And it's not to say, again, I, I'll be always careful to say neither is right or wrong. Okay. But there there are two components to our industry. There is a for-profit side of the industry, which, you know, can be owned by uh, a person, uh, equity firm, um, a, a business. And then there's nonprofit, which can be run by a charitable organization, by a religious group. Your community could be affiliated with a hospital. And they, um, you know, the care you're going to get, likely the people who are caring for you and the the experience of the individual, you likely won't know the difference. Okay. Um, But, you know, one or the other could be really important to you. You know, you may be more comfortable with something that's nonprofit and um, religious affiliated. You might be more comfortable with something that's for profit and you just feel like there's a much bigger company and organization operating this. And I feel comfortable because there's there's a a big company overseeing this. So and they have deeper pockets, probably. Yeah. yeah, understand yeah. it. Just make sure your philosophy feels aligned with okay. the people who are operating the community because then you'll have trust. If there's a challenge that comes up or an increase that happens, you're going to feel more trust in their decisions if you're philosophically aligned from the start. That makes a lot of sense. Um, anything that you, we, I, I feel like we could spend a whole another show on like family dynamics. We had that on the outline, like the extended family, adult children, um, success stories, um, mistakes that you've seen. I think we could spend um, a lot of time on that. And of course I could comment on my experience on the financial end with with extended families and family dynamics. Is there anything in, in, in a one to two minute period you wanted to touch on regarding that? Well, you know, it, it's, I would love to come on and do a whole nother show yeah. about, about that, but maybe I could just take our last minute to say, you know, I, I'm so grateful for everyone who has, who is in this industry. And I'd like to give a shout out to all the staff who work in these homes because it is, it's a wonderful job. And most days, everyone around you is very thankful. There are days when people are thankless and yeah. you, you leave feeling a little bruised. COVID just put such a heavy burden on everyone's shoulders and no one ran away screaming, even on the darkest days. Um, And I'm just so grateful to everyone in this industry who collaborated over the last couple of years and um, people outside of our buildings who were cheerleading us. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah. 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 So just wanted to spend that last minute and just being able to say that how grateful I am for everyone who's been so supportive over the last few years, whether they work there, live there, were a family member or who just drove by and honked and cheered and just gave a little pat on the back because we needed it. Um, It was uh, certainly the darkest time um, our industry has ever experienced. Yeah. Awful. You've had a long couple of years, I assume. Long couple of years. Thank you for your service in the healthcare and the elder care industry. I'm sure that was a very hard couple of years. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Thank you. Do you just want to give, we've got like a minute and a half. Do you want to give a quick shout out uh, regarding Rivermead? I see that your website is rivermead.org, M-E-A-D, right? Um, You got it. And are are you guys a large community? Are you a small? community. Um, Thank you for asking. Rivermead um, is in Peterborough, New Hampshire, which is in Southern New Hampshire. And it's a lovely community. It's been around since 1995. And I was lucky enough to be there on opening day, uh, serving a meal to the CEO. And uh, I I ran into her a couple of years ago and she said, oh, you were white as a ghost that day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And I was, I was very shy back then. Uh, So it's 
been fun to watch its evolution because Peterborough is a small town. Yeah. And um, it's grown a lot in its uh, years since 95. And it's uh, much smaller than Linden Pond, but um, uh, a little bit bigger than, like we said, Proprietor's Green. Just a really neat community. Do awesome. check out the website. Lots yeah. of great photos. Awesome. Sorry to cut you off. I should have given you more time to advertise Rivermead. Check out rivermead.org. Thank you so much to Lara Shea, who's the CEO at Rivermead Retirement Community in Peterborough, New Hampshire. This was a great show. Thanks for all the info. Have a Thank great you. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I will talk to you soon.